Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement. This is Dr. Chris Bertels. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addictions. Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and lighthearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hey guys, we really appreciate you tuning in to our podcast today. And Guys, if you find our content valuable, uh, if, you, if you like our show, please get on social media, get on Twitter, uh, follow us on there, it's at UpstartRes. Uh, please get on the iTunes store and subscribe to us. We would really appreciate that. And if you're listening on Google Play, uh, we appreciate you subscribing there as well. In addition, we'd like you to go to our website, upstartresilience.com or traumanomicspodcast.com. There you can look around. There's some free resources for you there, including a blog um, that we'll be doing periodically, hopefully weekly, and keep checking the website because we will be adding more resources and links as time goes on. Hey guys, we appreciate you tuning in with us today, and uh, we are coming here again uh, from Arkansas. Uh, Actually a rainy day outside here in Arkansas, but we're here uh, shooting episode two of the podcast, and uh, so we've been having some fun trying to Honestly, pick out some bumper music and different things this morning, which was a pretty, pretty interesting experience. Good uh, thing we didn't have the uh, tape rolling, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but ran anyway. across some uh, ran across some pretty comical music, uh, given the topic here. So, um, it's been a good time. You know, Jordan. One thing about the rain: uh, when I first moved here, it rained every six months, once or twice, whether we needed it or not. <laughs> Lately, we've had a lot of rain, so. Um, yeah, if you're not from if you're not tuning in from Arkansas, the weather here is one of the most interesting parts of the state because it is it's just pretty random. So, guys, we're going to circle back to what we kind of talked about last week with the question of why traumanomics. Kind of kind of tie up some loose ends uh, as well with kind of that that discussion, uh, particularly talking about things like uh, dysregulation and dysfunction. Uh, and then Chris is probably going to tell you a little bit about how that kind of applies to the economy. Uh, sort of the, the, the effect that it has on those things. So, yeah, that sounds good, Jordan. Um, you know, first of all, I'm not a I'm not an economist, so you don't have to worry about theoretical models and things like that. But um, well, you are a doctor. Well, okay, uh, fair enough. Um, one thing I one thing I did you know just want to kind of talk about was those two words dysregulation and dysfunction, and sort of how they relate to um, how I think they relate to the economy and society generally. Um, first of all, dysregulation. Jordan, kind of describe what does that mean? What is dysregulation? In, don't get too clinical on us, though. <laughs> I'll try not to. I'll try. It's a, 
So dysregulation can mean it can mean a lot of things because it's one of those deals. It's very it's a subjective experience. Um, dysregulation as a whole, if you think about think about the opposite of being regulated. So if you think of the things that are regulated regulations, um, you think about a person with this. You know, if if you're a regulated person, what does that look like? Probably pretty normal. You know, things are just going pretty normal, and I know that can be quote unquote what is normal. I get that. Um, but when you look at dysregulation, uh, it, it's kind of being like out of control, if you think about that. Um, so there can be like emotional dysregulation, thought dysregulation. There's all these different things that come into play there. Uh, so a dysregulated individual, you know, might look like somebody having a panic attack. It might look like somebody who emotionally they're very depressed. I mean, there are things like that. Sure. Yeah, it could look like a duck, right? It could be a person who... Uh, on the surface looks serene and calm and stoic, but underneath those feet are just moving. Uh, and Absolutely. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty common experience for a lot of people, particularly uh, who have had traumatic experiences or are in traumatic experiences in the present moment. We'll come back to that later. The other word we kind of threw out was um, dysfunction. And I think there's uh, kind of a general understanding of that, but as a society, you know, we, we throw this word of dysfunct or this phrase of dysfunctional families out a lot. I hear it a lot. And I think um, we have this view of the perfect family or a dysfunctional family. Uh, and I think those extremes are probably inaccurate. I think every family has some level of dysfunction. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of degrees. What do you think about that, Jordan? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, it's you look at any particular family, we're all going to have our uh, idiosyncrasies. There's always going to be things that are just uh, a part of the family system. And so that can be, that it varies. And so trying to determine what is functional, what's not, it can be a difficult thing to do uh, because, you, you you know, the standard changes. Right. You know, it's constantly moving. So. And so that relationship between dysfunction and dysregulation, how would you describe that, Jordan? person who experiences it's probably a positive relationship right the more dysfunction the more dysregulation is that your I, I think so I think so yeah because uh, one of the things that uh, we'll, we'll probably get to at some point in the podcast uh, we'll look at like family systems theory uh, things of that nature and I and try not to be boring with it but kind of go over some of the tenets of that um, and so you can attribute a lot of a lot of the way we function later in life can be due, obviously, to early childhood experiences. Uh, the ACEs study speaks to that um, predominantly when you're looking at adverse childhood experiences. The, the big part of that is often that can come from our families. You know, that's the place that we spent the most time right. at an early age. Right. So uh, how that plays out and why we've kind of talked about uh, or why we named the podcast Traumonomics, um, one of the things is uh, that these these dysfunction, dysregulation, ACEs, uh, traumatic experiences do affect people, do affect their, what, you know, economists call human capital. Um, they're, those folks have, to varying degrees, it affects their ability to continue education, to do well at, in work, and to do, to advance their careers, things like that. Um, those are, those are what we call, you know, kind of implicit costs. Those are costs that, um, we don't really put a number on them, but they definitely affect uh, they definitely affect people's lives and society as a whole. 
the more obvious one uh, from an economic perspective, the costs are to in the corrections facilities, the mental health facilities, things of that nature, where we actually spend real dollars of our own or as taxpayers to help folks that have gone through some of these experiences. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, people who grow up with a lot of trauma, ACEs, family dysfunction, who are dysregulated, what do they do, Jordan? What do those folks do to not feel the way they feel? Well, oftentimes they're going to medicate in, in, in the ways that they know how. And so if you look at, uh, and I know, Chris, you've done the research on, on a lot of this too, but when you look at the people, the numbers of people who are incarcerated for drug violations, for um, really, really trauma-reactive experiences that have happened, uh, you know, the rates of trauma have to be astounding in that population. They just have to be. Um, and so, you know, again, the self-medicating through trauma, you're going to wind up with addiction. Right. One study, I think I mentioned it last time, one study I read, had uh, conducted a, a survey of inmates. 50% of males had sexual abuse history and 70% of females. And that's just sexual abuse. You know, we know that uh, we know that a lot of incarcerated individuals have extensive abuse histories, not just sexual abuse, uh, and, and that it started early and often. And so we know that. Um, obviously, we're not going to be able to, uh, we're not going to be able to change the world here necessarily with with our, our work but um, if we can if it, if it can be helpful um, we certainly will well I think even too it, 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 when, when you look at it I know I know at least here I can speak to this there's starting to be some uh, underground movements of change I think with the way we even view incarceration I know especially for like juveniles uh, you know I know there's some facilities locally that are changing the way that they kind of looked at uh, crime and that population before and trying to be more rehabilitative maybe than uh, the, the, the punishment aspect. Right, drug courts, things yeah, like absolutely. that. Yeah. Absolutely, You know, it's funny, I heard, I was talking to a guy the other day and, and uh, you know, I, this is this is just a, a good old boy from Arkansas that I, I was talking to, and, and but he had, he had a good, he had a good uh, kind of analogy. I don't think it's it was based in statistics or anything, but he said, you know, he said, I'd be willing to bet Everybody in prison was either getting drugs or committing a crime to get the money to get drugs. <laughs> so I thought that was, you know, it's pretty insightful for a, just a, a guy that, um, you know, I, I don't know what he does for a living, but it was, but he just, he knows the problem. We got a serious, we got a serious problem here um, in our country, uh, the opioid crisis, things like that, um, just really... We have to address trauma because it's it underlies so many, so many of these people's problems. Yeah, and that's something that I think is a, even in the mental health field that we're starting to recognize more and more is the underlying trauma uh, impacts everything. Right. Uh, like Chris was saying, the trickle down effect on the economy. Uh, you know, this you know, guys, this is big for the workforce too. I know we mentioned that in the first episode, but. You know, you think about human capital. You think about the the uh, the resources that we are as people. Productivity. Productivity yeah. rates. Yeah, right. uh, things like that. So I mean, it's something that all all of us, I think, need to be more aware of. You know, uh, and, and if if that's something that we hopefully can do with this too, is just trying to bring some awareness uh, pieces there as well. So I think a piece of this too is to to try to look at like 
uh, when you're looking at things like dysregulation, like how do you know when you're dysregulated? You know, can a dysregulated person, can they even really, do they have the awareness at the time to know that they are? Uh, I know for me, uh, you know, I was literally on a vacation uh, a few weeks back uh, to, to the fine town of Branson, Missouri. And so I was there with the family and um, don't laugh at me too much for that 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 locale there. So, uh, but um, you know, I am from Arkansas. Um, so we're we're there, and we're just we're walking down one of the one of the streets there, close to our, our hotel, and uh, come across this this woman who was really just berating uh, her her kid. Um, and you know, and of course, my kids are there with me, my wife as well, and and uh, so my oldest son actually looks up to me and he's and he goes dad he goes uh, she's she's just not being very nice to her to her son um and she wasn't you know and I, and it made me just really think uh and, and guys i know it's a job hazard for me as a therapist but i, I begin to think like what could have been going on for this person because because clearly at this time you know to paint the picture she's screaming at her kid arms flailing stuff like that and it's like you know uh, what you know what's the catalyst for that right because we know it's probably not the kid uh dropping his wallet at the grocery store right this is this is her stuff right right it's her stuff but it's coming out but how does she have the awareness it's like you wish you had the follow-up to know like was there a repair made there you know what what happened you know with that whole thing right uh, and, and you can think about that as you're in the, you know, your local grocery store or whatever, and you see this this kind of thing unfold. It's just we encounter people. Yeah. We see it, too. I mean, I've, I've seen it, too, um, just like you have, Jordan. And, and you know, I, I empathize with the lady, too. Like, she didn't have the presence of mind to stop herself, you know, and, and it, it takes its hard, you know. And, and uh, for those of you parents, you know, you know parenting is hard, too. And so... Um, but I guess it goes back again to what you were saying about um, uh, dysregulation. In that, does that person know they're where they're at? Are they just do they know? Uh, in her case, does she know how bad it looks to everybody else? How that kid feels? Obviously not, you know. And so um, she's at work to do. It looks like. Well, and we've all had those experiences too, where I think if we really and I would encourage you guys as listeners to. To think about the times that you felt out of control or that you may have had the awareness of, hey, I'm reacting to something that I, strongly that I really don't know why I'm reacting to it in this way. Uh, you, you'll, I, at least I'll probably say this a lot on this podcast, I'm real big on the idea of being self-aware because I think if we can be aware, we can then work to change. Right. If we don't have the awareness, that's, you know, that's going to be a problem right. going forward. But We've all got times and moments we're not proud of, not happy about, wish we'd have done things different. Um, but it's really trying to take a look at, like, what was that about? As Chris said, you know, it, it's not about the event. Usually it's even happening. Right. Yeah, yeah, nothing is stuffed. You know, I said that in the first episode. Like, you know, whatever it is for that lady, I, you know, who knows? We, we have no idea. But, you know, it could be financial stress. It could have been her, her own abuse history, uh, you know, work. Any number of things could have done that. Um, but it, it certainly isn't helping the bond with the, with the child. That's for sure. Those, those sorts of outbursts, you know, adults have to, to be the adult there and, and hopefully she went back and made amends to the little guy. Well, it, it speaks to things that we'll, we'll come to at, at certain points on this, this podcast, like attachment wounds, things of that nature. Cause if you, you know, when you look at dysregulated individuals, um, a 
lot of times there's attachment theory stuff that can go in with that. And like I said, we'll, we'll come back to that. But um, the basis of that is these attachment wounds, you know, that in itself can create trauma. Right. Know? Well, and you think it just think it think of the being the kid, right? Looking up and mom screaming and yelling at you uh, in public. Um, and, and what if that's your experience day in? What if what if that is not a one off scenario? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was that's thinking life too. For you. Like that's that's your life. Um, you're never gonna get it right. You know, you feel like you're never gonna get it right, and uh, it manifests in, like you said before, medicating. You know, I'm not good enough. The shame, guilt. You know, um, shame's voice is usually planted very early. Right. right, and I think that that's something that, uh, you know, probably in our next episode, uh, Chris is gonna tell you a lot about his his story as it relates to this idea of dysfunction, dysregulation. Uh, and we've all got a story, you know, that's, that's the truth. Um, but it's, it, you know, when you look far back into, into childhood, things of that nature, a lot of times shame's voice comes very early right? You know, from our character. When we talk about dysfunctional family systems, you, know, you carry that voice forward through a bunch of experiences that you have in life. And there, there you are. And, and as we said last time, you see this effect on, on people as in these, these events, these horrendous events we've seen, like these mass shootings, things of that nature, you know, guys, that comes from somewhere. Right. And it starts somewhere. Now, if she would have, playing devil's advocate a little bit, let's say this was a one-off situation and the, the mom was otherwise caring, available, loving, um, those, that message of shame is, doesn't have the effect. You know, if the, if the son had an otherwise attached relationship with her, then what, Jordan? Then is this easier to repair? Absolutely, it is because that's the you know it creates that secure attachment. You know, it, it, parenting again. You know, we're going to make mistakes. Right. You know, that's that's all of us do. Uh, too late. <laughs> some too late. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But hopefully, again, that relationship's there. The bond is there that you can go back and make you know make the repair attempts. Right. That's a big thing. So, right. uh, but you know, looking at it from this angle, we're looking at those times that let's say repair attempts have not been made. Get this sort of chronic trauma experience uh, in, in families, right? Know? And um, that again leads to where what Chris was talking about earlier, this effect on the economy and everything else. I mean, there's a lot to be said about the family uh, creating secure bonds, secure attachment, uh, to where you know kids growing up they know what safety and security right. is. Now, you know, in the absence of that safety and security. This, this kid, you know, there's a lot of different paths he could go down, but unfortunately, a lot of times the path he'll choose is going to be one where he's going to get attention, uh, some semblance of family, like a gang, uh, like a group of guys that aren't good for him, um, who aren't good influences, things like that. And so um, oftentimes that scenario is uh, it's played out and it ends up in a correction system. So it's just a seed, you know, kids begin to make a series of bad choices and, and, uh, and a lot of times in response to feelings of shame. Well, you, have, you know, the secure attachment thing. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little insight to me. I'm a, I'm a big uh, boxing fan. You know, I, I like combat sports and things of that nature. So growing up as a kid, I was a Mike Tyson guy. You know, I loved, I loved Tyson. Iron Mike. Uh, Iron Mike, you know, and he, he, he definitely had some, uh, some, some wild things that went on in his life. But, 
if you if you ever get a chance, you might check out on Netflix. There's a he's got a stand up show, but anyway, it's a uh, um, he talks a lot about his story and talks about Customato, who was his his mentor. Uh, and you can hear as he talks his level of relationship and affection he had for this this older guy who was really his mentor and actually adopted him. Um, so, uh, but my point with that is a guy who had, if you knew his story, he, he did not have what I would call secure attachment at all. A lot of rough stuff went up in his upbringing. Um, but he developed it with this one mentor. So again, even when you don't have maybe a family system that has it, being able to find it, you know, at some at some place in life, if you don't if you don't have what you're needing, that's a big important part. Yeah, that's excellent, and and I think um, you know we've kind of set up this uh, different paths people can go by, and of course, uh, Mike Tyson had a phenomenal boxing career um, despite that upbringing. Um, he did have enough trouble as an adult as well, but uh, of course, but he did. He did. Uh, well, and that, and it, it, again, it it fits the type of what we're talking about. Things like addiction, things that come about later uh, when when you you know uh, when you don't deal with the stuff that you need to deal with now. Right. And so as we as we try to challenge you know you guys as listeners and ourselves as well, we need to really be thinking of we need to we need to deal with our we need to deal with our stuff. Right. Well, that's all we have for today. Um, we're going to come back and uh, revisit some uh, part of my story, like Jordan said, and. Um, This podcast is made available by Upstart Resilience, LLC, for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter. This podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.